there. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today we have two interview guests, 18-year-old Dallas and U.S. men's national team striker Ricardo Pepe and L.A. Galaxy technical director Jovan Kurovsky, who may be the best connected American in European soccer. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my new newsletter at grantwall.com, which has all my writing, including a big feature on Jesse Marsh and on-location stories for every U.S. Men's World Cup qualifier. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support with that. Now, here's my interview with Ricardo Pepe. Our guest now is the man of the moment in U.S. soccer. 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe scored the game-winning goal for the United States at Honduras last week on his debut. Then on Saturday, he scored his 12th goal of the season for FC Dallas, putting him number three in the league in goals. Ricardo, congratulations on everything you're doing and thanks for coming on the show. No, thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me. And, you know, thank you very much for the con- for congratulating me. It means a lot. We're talking on Monday night. You have just flown into the New York City area for Tuesday's game against NYCFC. You have just been in Dallas, Honduras, Nashville and El Salvador could you describe what your life is like right now and the things you're experiencing? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been it's been crazy. It's been crazy, honestly. It's been very busy, you know, just traveling all over the world, basically. So, you know, just trying to just stay, you know, rested as, as much as possible, you know, just try to get my all to the team, get my all to the national team. So, you know, it's been busy, but it's I've been handling handling it well. It's been five days since you scored for the United States in your first game. Big World Cup qualifying win. What are you going to remember the most about that game and that goal? No, I think it's important that, you know, we got the win. We got the win. It was a win that we we really needed. I mean, it was a it was a game that, you know, it put us in a good spot. I I feel like in the table. So, you know, I think that would be the most memorable, memorable thing, you know, just being able to get that get that win for the team and for the country. You're from El Paso, Texas. Uh, I know your family and your father, Daniel, who is your coach, have had a big influence on your soccer career. What do you remember about when you started playing soccer as a child in El Paso? Yeah, no, I feel like, you know, like I said, my father was one of my, he was, one, he was my coach till I was 10 years old. So he, he was always hard on me even when I was seven, eight years old, because he saw the talent in me and he knew, you know, the expectations he had for me and, you know, the talent I have that it could take me in, in, into a far place, you know. So, you know, he was always on me just trying to get the, the best out of me. And, you know, luckily he did whatever he did and, you know, we're here. So, you know, thanks to him and, you know, just always his hard work and always pushing me to get me to practices and to get me to trainings to always, to always get my best. So, Comes to him. How would you describe the football culture in El Paso? What are what are the most popular teams there? What's it like? Oh, I feel like FC Dallas has taken a little uh, over El Paso. Honestly, I mean, I feel like you know it started when I was like ten years old. So you know, we all joined the, the FC Dallas Academy. I feel like everyone just wants to be in the FC Dallas Academy. Now, seeing that you know there's there's been some players that had traveled and moved from El Paso to to Dallas, and some players that have that they've had opportunities with the team too. So, you know, it's a big opportunity for other players out there, other, you know, kids out there that, you know, they want to be with the FC Dallas Academy too. So, I mean, you know, El Paso is just mostly soccer. You don't really see any other sport played, but, you know, it's just it's a soccer 
Soccer City. I would imagine that what you're doing now is drawing attention in El Paso and maybe causing people, uh, kids there to want to play for FC Dallas. Um, what, you know, who were the teams and players that you liked the most growing up when you were watching football? Yeah, no, I always, you know, I was, I was a young kid, just always watching, looking out for Cristiano, you know, players like Cristiano. I, I look for players in the Liga MX, like, you know, Ruben Sambuesa, you know, um, Chicharito back then, Raul Jimenez, those are players that, you know, I used to watch a lot of Liga MX soccer. So, you know, I, I used to just watch all those players, you know, mainly strikers, but, you know, there, there was some big players like Lewandowski that I used to watch, Lukaku. Those are, you know, mo- most of the players I used to watch, just look out for and, you know, dreaming to be like them one day. And in 2016, I was reading a story. There was a good story in the New York Times in 2016 uh, that you were mentioned in and your dad was in uh, a big part of that story. And it was about the soccer culture in El Paso and... um I know when, you know, in 2016, you were 13 years old, FC Dallas invited you to move to Dallas and join their academy and live with a family. Could you tell the story of what happened and the decision you made to move to Dallas? Yeah, you know, so when I first got scouted for Dallas, you know, I had been told that, you know, there was an opportunity for me to come train with the academy. And, you know, I came and, and I went to Dallas and just took advantage of the opportunity. And then later on, you know, that month, I feel like FC Dallas just gave me the opportunity to move into the actual academy. So, you know, I had to have talks with my family and my friends about, you know, moving and leaving and sacrificing my family and friends to to be able to chase my dream, you know. And, you know, I feel like that was the most important thing that, you know, got to me and the most and the, the reason why I'm here right now is just a sacrifice I made, leaving my family, leaving my friends. All, all over El Paso just to come here and, you know, chase, chase my dream, like I said. How difficult was it to move away from home at age 13 and go to a bigger city like that? Oh, it was difficult. It was difficult. I mean, just comparing the size of El Paso to Dallas, you know, there's a lot more people, there's a lot more traffic, things like that, you know. Um, it can be overwhelming sometimes, but I feel like, you know, the hardest part was just moving away from my parents because I had my parents and my, my siblings calling me every day, crying on the phone, saying they miss me. So I think that was the hardest part, just, you know, being able to balance that with with soccer and going to school so it was hard it was hard what was the family like that you moved in with oh they were great they were great honestly i didn't you know i didn't need anything you know they they were always taking care of me they were always just giving me everything they could so to make them make me the most comfortable so you know thank you thank you for them and thank you to them but you know they they were the best honestly they were the best i was lucky to have them so in your first season with dallas's under 13 team you scored 18 goals in 15 games is what I read. You got promoted to the under 17 team. You kept scoring goals. Was it really that easy for you? Were there, were there ever any moments when you wanted to move back to El Paso and, and be with your family again? Uh, no, not really. Honestly, not really. I didn't, I didn't, you know, that, that thought never came into my mind that I wanted to, to move back home. I felt like, you know, I got pretty comfortable, you know, after a year of living in Dallas, I got pretty comfortable with the academy. I got pretty comfortable with the city. And then I had my, my family moved down. So, you know, everything was good at that point, but, you know, I never, never in the my in my mind that did that come up to, to wanting to move back to El Paso. But, you know, when I, when I first moved to the U13 Academy, my first tournament, I remember that, you know, I was really nervous. I was really nervous. I was really scared to just, you know, go play with them. And I, I was thinking that I was going to be, you know, just high level players a lot. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, once I moved into the team, everything was great. You know, my first tournament, I ended up scoring like 11 goals in five games. So, you know, everything was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Um, 
Because I, I actually, I think back, because like Lionel Messi moved away from home at age 13. And I, I'm certainly not going to put any pressure on you with the comparison, but like very few people in their lives or very few people anywhere move away from home at age 13. And just the amount of like stress that goes with that, I can only imagine. Now you did say that your parents, your family's with you now in Dallas? Yeah, yeah, they are. They they eventually moved after one year, just, you know, fighting, you know, them missing each other, you know, just all that. So yeah, they eventually moved and they're now at home with me. Okay, great. Um, now the L- FC Dallas Academy has produced more talent than any other MLS Academy. Why do you think the Dallas Academy is so good at what it does? I've always said that, you know, FC Dallas always puts you in a professional atmosphere, you know, from the age of 13, 14 years old. So, you know, it's a great academy to be in. They always push you to your limits. You know, they always want you to work hard every day. They want you to just keep getting better and better. So I feel like that's what, you know, distances us from any other academy in the, in the world, you know, just puts you in a professional atmosphere and invites you to train with the first team and things like that. So that helps players a lot. My impression from watching you play, whether it's with Dallas, whether it's with the national team now, is that you realize it's important to score goals. That's what forwards do but that the forward position is about more than scoring goals. You seem to work really hard during a game. How would you describe your approach to playing the forward position? You no, know, every game, every game, the thought of my mind is just, just wanting to, to win the game and give my, give my best for the team, you know, give my all to the team just to, to get that win. I feel like that's the most important thing at the end of the day, you know, and I feel like if I work hard for the team then personal things and, you know, my goal scoring opportunities are going to come, but you know, I just go into the game with the thought of, you know, wanting to get that win for the team. In what areas of your game as a forward are you working on the hardest right now to get better, to improve? Yeah, I feel like my main area is um, getting getting stronger, you know, getting a little a little stronger just to be able to hold off the defender easy, easy you know, just things like that. I feel like I'm, I'm working on that a lot and just being able to hold up the ball when, when it when I do have to hold it up because I feel like, you know, obviously finishing is one of my main things and, you know, that, that can always get better. So I'm always working every day on, you know, on my crafts, you know, every day. Are you, is it possible to lift weights during the season? Do you typically do that or do you just have so many games that you don't have the time to do that? Yeah, no, sometimes it is possible. You know, you just try to just manage it a little bit. I feel like that's, that's a big thing and just managing your body, you know, being able not to like get tired from it, but, you know, also doing it. So it's just about managing, managing the gym, managing practices, managing, taking, you know, resting. So it's very important, but you know, it's, it's, it's possible. I know in early 2019, you played for North Texas SC for a few months. You did well there as you have everywhere. Uh, then you did sign a homegrown deal with FC Dallas later that year, made your debut. Um, was there a particular moment when you did something special around that time and realized I can make it as a professional in this sport yeah you know i feel like it was it was a it was a moment where i was prepared well by the second team i feel like you know there was players that jumped straight from academy to the first team and they didn't have that step that i had so i was really lucky to have that step so i feel like i was well prepared for for the first team so you know just coming into the first team i saw the quality of the players the speed of play so you know i feel like if i just had gotten adjusted to it a little earlier it it would help me a lot you know, make it be a lot easier. But right now I feel like I've adapted well to, to the system, to, to the way, 
you know, other teams play to the the way the defenders are. So I feel like that's the major change I made, just adapting to the league and being able to, um, you know, find open space, make those runs and adapt to, to the defenders. You know, there's an expression in Spanish that you hear from people who have ties to both the United States and Mexico, ni aquí, ni allá. Mm-hmm. And it means not totally here or totally there. How would you describe your experience as a Mexican-American? Would you say, ni aquí, ni allá? Would you say something else? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's hard. It's hard for me to, you know, just express that 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 feeling. I feel like every day at home, you know, my parents are both Mexican, so I'm, I'm dealing with those Mexican, with that Mexican culture every day, the Mexican food, you know, speaking Spanish at home. So it's hard to just really just say that, you know, I'm not from here, but I'm, I'm not from over there and I'm representing the U.S. So, you know, my heart is with the U.S. because, you know, I, I'm giving my all to the national team. And like I said, when I first, you know, signed up for that, I was like, I was going to defend and protect the, the badge with, with my heart. So. I mean, I, I am American, but I'm also Mexican because at home I speak Spanish. You know, I, I eat Mexican food. So everything at home, my culture is Mexican. No, it's really interesting. I, I mean, it was only three weeks ago that you made your decision to play for the United States instead of Mexico. Could you lead me through sort of the details of what you were thinking about as you made that decision? Yeah, no, I feel like, you know, there was a good opportunity that popped out for me and you know, I had to have some conversations with my family. I had to have some conversations with my agent. And I feel like we make the best decision, you know, just being able to just defend the country that gave me all my opportunities, to not just to me, but to my family. I feel like it's the best feeling in the world. Just, you know, it makes it easier to just defend, defend the country and fight for what you want and fight for what you love. You know, people in U.S. soccer, there are some who think that you, Ricardo Pepe, might become the U.S. men's national team's first Mexican-American superstar and and maybe even cause more Mexican-American fans to choose to support the United States. Is that important to you in any way? Honestly, no, not really, not really. I feel like, you know, that's not something I really focus on doing. You know, I feel like whatever team I'm on, I feel like I could just give my best to the team and that's mainly what I'm focused on. You know, not really on what fans like Mexico, what fans like America. So, you know, I'm mainly just focused on what team I play for and giving my all to the team. I know you want to help Dallas win games and win trophies, but you've also said, like so many other players, you would like to move to Europe at some point and play for a club there. There's a lot of European club interest in you right now. Uh, when would you like to make that move to Europe? And do you have a preference on which countries you would like to go to? Oh, I feel like at the moment, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm with FC Dallas, you know, we're in the middle of season. So that's not really a focus of mine. I feel like the, the focus is, you know, these next few games that we have that are very important for the team and obviously the playoffs, making it to the playoffs. So, you know, whenever that time comes to make that decision and, you know, just, that, that decision will be made. You have a long career ahead of you. You're 18 years old. It's really exciting what's happening right now. What do you want to achieve in your career? What What are your dreams? Yeah, no, eventually my dream is moving to Europe, playing in the highest level of soccer, you know, playing in the EPL. Those, you know, I feel like every player that moves to Europe wants to play in the EPL. So, you know, just doing the best I can and making the most out of my soccer careers. It's my goal, you know, being one of the top players in the world. Ricardo Pepe scored the game-winning goal for the United States at Honduras in World Cup qualifying last week on his debut. Also scored his 12th goal of the season for Dallas on Saturday, number three in the league in goals. 
Ricardo, congratulations, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. You guys have a great day. Big thanks to Ricardo Pepe. Now, here's my interview with Jovan Kurovsky. Our guest now may be the best connected American in European soccer. Jovan Kurovsky is the technical director for the LA Galaxy. As a player, he was the first American to win the Men's UEFA Champions League with Borussia Dortmund in 1996-97. He had a 17-year senior career with Dortmund, Manchester United, Sporting in Lisbon, and the LA Galaxy, among others. He also played 62 times for the U.S. men's national team. Jovan, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I enjoy listening to you all the time and finally to get a chance to be on. I am fired up that you actually listen to the podcast. That's awesome. Thank you for listening. (laughs) In my travels, I'm up at 2 a.m. I have uh, jet lag and I'm on my run and I listen to you. Yes. (laughs) Well, I I hope I can bring sleep eventually. Uh, I don't know if I I, I want to be necessarily a sleep inducer, but I'm glad you listen. Um, And I just want to start. When I say you're the best connected American potentially in European soccer, it's pretty impressive. You've been the point man for the Galaxy to land players like Zlatan Ibrahimovic with everything that entails, as well as Chicharito Hernandez, the Dos Santos brothers, Yelly Van Damme, Alessandrini, the other French guys who come to the Galaxy. How have you built your European network over the years? I think the main thing is my playing career. I mean, I've played at many different places, many different countries. Uh, Most of the players that I've played with, they're either coaches, sporting directors all around the world, uh, from Germany, Portugal, here in the U.S. especially. And also, I played a lot. I started very young. I mean, I was in the national team at 18. So... I have a huge uh, amount of time with so many different generations. I mean, I've I've seen the Lexi Lawless win all the Harks. Then I've been through uh, the Reina Landon Donovan era, the Beasley Bocanegra. So it's a va- it's a vast amount of time that I've been able to connect with so many different people. And and my job today, I'm I'm really connected and it helps me so much in my job today for sure at what point did you realize those connections that you had built in your playing career could help you in the phase of your career when you became someone who was supposed to sign big name players it just happened naturally when we were going after certain players um i would get information i mean about players and and one thing always leads to another oh how do i get connected to Dortmund. Okay, Michael Zork. I mean, I played with him. Boom. How do I get connected to Yella Van Damme? I had a a player I played with at Birmingham City, a goalkeeper who's an agent now. That's his player. So it's just, it's all those connections just keep going. And one of the things I keep track of now is I keep connected. I travel a lot to Europe. When I travel to different countries, I meet all these people face to face. I stay connected. And those are the big things um, that are very important. I think keeping the relationships and keeping connected because you never know in any moment. Transfer windows, uh, players move in and out. You have different lists. They're ongoing. They move. Players come available and you need your contacts then and there to make those kind of uh, moves. So I, I stay connected. I mean, and even South America as well, because I played with so many South Americans. So it's it's vital to keep connected. So. I'm going to dive right in, and I want to hear the story about how you built a relationship with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and his agent, which is no ordinary agent. It's the super agent, Mino Raiola, sort of a legendary figure in his own right. 
How did you build the, the infrastructure, the connections, the relationships to get that deal done? Are there some good stories from that whole process? I mean, that it all started again with uh, a player that I played with at Fortuna Cologne, like uh, it's Daniel Maistorovic. He was uh, a center back, played for Sweden, uh, played for Celtic, had a pretty good career, and he played with Zlatan. And it came through that. I mean, we were speaking one day, he talked about him, and then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, how do we get connected? Let's start. And and that started, the ball started to roll. I mean, we, we connected. I went to Europe. Um, he came here. And we just built this relationship and I just pushed, pushed, pushed. And he had a real interest in coming to the U.S. It was in his mind. Uh, but eventually we had the moment and the opportunity. It wasn't easy because it took three years. I mean, I knew maybe the first year we weren't going to get him, but I always stayed connected and always waited for the moment. You know, he had the major injury, which held him back. Uh, but that was actually one of the main things that helped him come here because he wanted to prove himself here and the moment just fit. But over time, it was it was a connection again through a good friend who played with him. Do you find that people like Zlatan, like me and Raiola, that it helps to have sort of your personal history having won stuff in the game in Europe to sort of get their attention in any way? So what you mean? Sorry, did you mean my playing career in Europe? Yeah, like what you had done in Europe that you weren't like that you had they actually maybe took you more seriously as as a result. This is 100% I have credibility. So when I go into let alone not even Zlatan but every other player in Europe, they've known I was at Borussia Dortmund. They knew I was at Manchester United. They've known Sporting they know these clubs. I played, I played in the US. I played for the Galaxy. I I know what it's like here. I know the transition. So this all gives me credibility when I'm selling, when I'm pitching. Uh, another, just to sidetrack a little bit, Jovalich is a young kid from Frankfurt we signed. Yeah. He didn't really know MLS. I, everybody in Europe is, is kind of there. A lot of people are. They know MLS. But he didn't really know too much. But that helps the, 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 me coming over from, from Europe and coming back here, knowing what it's like. It, it's important. It's vital. It, it gives me an edge. It does. In recruiting, it gives me a real edge when I go talking to anybody and trying to recruit and bring players here for sure. I mean, another thing that I've noticed over the years, I think I may have made this point publicly when you were able to sign Chicharito for the Galaxy, is there's a lot of MLS teams that sort of talk big privately when I talk to them about, we want to get this guy, or I had one one guy who was a co-owner of a of an MLS team said, we almost got Ronaldinho, like, like back in the day. And my response was kind of like, yeah, but you didn't. And, and so like getting signings, big name signings over the line is something that I don't think anyone can argue that the LA Galaxy has done better than any other MLS team. And I'm wondering what makes that difference from being able to say, we, we almost signed Ronaldinho to, we got Ibrahimovic, we got Chicharito, we got these other guys. Yeah, well, we have a lot behind the club with the best owner in Mr. Anschutz and our AEG. Uh, they, they, when we ask for something and it's, it means something, they, they provide it. And it's great ownership, but then you look at what we've built, like with Beckham, starting with Beckham. I mean, he put us on the map. Uh, then the success and winning, the history we have. Um, it starts from there and we become relevant here in LA 
We've won championships. We're in LA. LA does help, but those things to go over the line that you said, I mean, it helps the people that we have here. I mean, with Chicharito Dennis De Closa was part of the Mexican camp, so he was a big part as well in this situation. I mean, Chris Klein's been here for years, and we've we've built this. Um, the we built the club in a way that there's relevancy with the superstars we've had before and the championships we won. But there's also the players that are coming in. They see that it's happened before. They want to be here. And LA is a big part of it too. LA is a big part. But we have people here that that recruit, that sell, and we always want to be the best. I mean, I don't know if that answers your questions, but it's it's kind of those things put together. No, I mean, I think it, it does. Um, and you mentioned Chris Klein. You mentioned Dennis Tecloza. Could you explain a little bit about sort of the job descriptions for folks out there and sort of what each person is responsible for, including what you're responsible for? Well, with myself, um, I mean, it's scouting, recruiting and negotiating contracts. I mean, it's we we all with myself and Dennis and Greg, we work with Greg to to um, support him in every way. We, we hired him with with his vision we believed in. And our job is to support him and execute. And me in particular, my job is to execute, uh, bring players to the table and execute on deals, execute on players that that we believe in as a group. And that's my job. And also, too, I mean, like the Galaxy has won championships, a lot of championships in this league with star players. There have been some years uh, when there have been star players and, and the results haven't been as good. This year, the Galaxy is back near the top of, of the West in, in very much in playoff position at this point with Greg Vanny in charge as the head coach. What's the difference, I guess, this year under Vanny? In kind of in what's your perspective on this as someone who's been in charge of, of getting the, the big name stars? I think um, Greg is... He's, he's very clear on his vision and idea of soccer. His identity is clear on how he wants to play. Uh, player profiling is so much easier when, when you have this clear way of playing. Uh, he's, he's, um, he's very collaborative in, in when we bring in players. He's open. He's, he's really impressed me a lot, Greg. We're, I've known him as a player. Um, I played with him, so he's a junkie. He's a thinker. Uh, he thinks of a game uh, really progressive, um, and he's he's a great soccer mind. He really is. I mean, people, I don't think give him enough credit. We, I mean, we're just getting started here, so we don't want to get carried away. But I think we have good things to come. You know, more good things to come. What do you think is the difference between Chicharito last year? I know he was frustrated, and and Chicharito this year when I know he's had some injury issues recently, but seems to be on his way back. Has has scored a lot more goals already. I think. Um, I mean, with it was challenging year for everybody with COVID. He's coming into MLS. It's not easy. Uh, he had some things on the field, off the field issues that he had to deal with. Um, but this year, he's his focus is top notch. He's he's great personality, great character. He's focused, and it shows. I mean, his first ten games, the goals he scored, his his work rate. I mean, he's great within the locker room. Uh, he's been fantastic. I mean, I think it's it's he's really really focused on succeeding. I want to step back a little bit here. Your playing career came at a time when there were fewer people in the U.S. paying attention to European soccer. And if they had been, they would have been going nuts about you being at Manchester United in the early 1990s. 
What's the story there? How did you end up at Man United? And what were the highlights of your experience there? Well, I ended up there going with a youth national team to England on a tour. And it was this April springtime tour. And we played against Liverpool, Manchester United, Coventry, some teams in England. And a scout from Manchester United wanted me to come back in the summer. And I had this dream already. I wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to have I wanted to be the best player in the world. You know, I was like that. And and we didn't have a league then. This was 92. So there was nothing here, really. For me, that was the only option. So I had an opportunity. I went and I uh, was fortunate enough to get uh, a, visa, a school visa to keep me there initially. And uh, Manchester United then, I was there four years from 92 to 96. And it was at that time, the generation, the 92, the class of 92, you had Beckham, Scholes, uh, the Neville brothers, uh, it was an amazing uh, academy to grow up in, uh, Alex Ferguson, uh, to be under this leadership. And and again, these kind of things working, I mean, I was a kid, but working at these clubs or playing gives me, again, the connections that we sp- spoke about before. And the experience I have at, under Ferguson, I mean, I know I was in the academy, in the second team, but to see how he works uh, is is important in what I do today. But the highlight was just being at a big club with fantastic young players. Like we had a great team. We had great players. And I see what a great player, what a world-class player looks like at 16, 17. So when I'm looking today at players that we have here, that helps me as well. You know, I've seen a different perspective of soccer because I grew up in these big clubs, which helps me today. You know, it really helps me. And was it work permit issues that made life difficult for you at Man United? What was the story? Yeah, so I had um, at that time, and I think now it's more relaxed as it was as it was then. Uh, I had two or three opportunities, or two or three. Uh, I signed two or three contracts, and Alex Ferguson tried to bring me there, tried to sign me uh, with the work permit rules. The the strict rules they had was there's it's a bit complicated. The national team games were fine because I had a young age. I had a lot of national team games. I had like 20 games when I was 18. So I those qualifications I passed, but certain ones I didn't meet the criteria, which was kind of crazy at the time, an 18 year old to be the highest paid player at their club, that was never gonna happen, you know? So some of the things that I had to go through were difficult, and so I ended up at Dortmund. I couldn't, they tried two or three times, and I ended up moving on. That was something that I, like, I wish I really had a chance to finish what I started there. I was in a good way, good form, Um, I scored goals, I was rated highly, and I was one of them, so, I grew up there, so and I, it you'll get more chances. They wanted to give me a chance. They wanted me to succeed. So that's one thing that I I wish I had an opportunity to do. Now I can totally imagine. I why Dortmund it was you know what went into the decision to move there. Well, it was I, it was again it was Ferguson with he had an idea that maybe I should go to Holland or Germany. There was two clubs that that were interested, but maybe go for a year or two and. He was maybe thinking to bring me back, but I had my first meeting was at Dortmund and I had the other one was Ajax and I went to Dortmund and after they, I trained one session after the session, they had me in a room with my agent and they wanted to sign me. And it was a contract that I, I couldn't refuse. Um, it was something that I, I had to do. I didn't even go to Ajax. So they wanted me and they showed it and they paid me a significant amount to I had to do it. <laughs> I had no choice. <laughs> and, but looking back, but looking back, if maybe I was advised properly, I don't think I would have. If it was, if I was my agent, what I know today, 
I wouldn't have had me signed there. Because Why? Of, because Dortmund at the time, it was a different Dortmund than it is today. We had Jurgen Kohler. We had Matthias Sammer, uh, Muller, all World Cup champions. Big, big players. And young players were not getting chances. We had a few. Okay. Myself, Lars Ricken, we had Ibrahim, two, two or three. And we weren't getting chances to play. Like, it was no chance. So that's where I would go to Ajax. Like, today, forget the money. Okay, it's a lot of money. But this is a different path for you. So, again, this is something like, yeah, if I could go back. and But this is why today in my job I can really advise people because I've been there. I've seen it. I know what path to take to help you. So again, it helps me in my work. That's important to remember that like we're so used that used to seeing Dortmund now be this just great producer of young talent and develop young talent, but it hasn't always been that way. Uh, it, it, it's good to get that reminder as well. Yeah, not at all. I mean, when we were Dortmund, we, I mean, we're in the Champions League. We won the Champions League. We were competing for the title like they... I mean, the year before I arrived, they won the title. Like it was, it was a, really competing with Bayern. Like it was, it was. Now it's the it's a young team, but you're not expecting them to win Champions League, and we were at the time. So for a young player, it was impossible to break into a team like that. Was impossible. So what was your experience like being on a Champions League winner when you weren't playing as much as you wanted to be? At for a 20 year old American. I was at Manchester United, so I've seen for four years I was at a big club. I went into Dortmund, I was hungry. I, again, as I said before, I wanted to be, I didn't want to just make it as a professional. I wanted to be the best player in the world. Like, I, mentality, I had this kind of mentality. Whether or not I was going to do it, okay, but I wanted to, I was at big club, so I had an opportunity. Um, going there was hard because I didn't play enough, but I was, I was with these players that I used to watch on TV. I mean, the German World Cup, the European, they won everything. You know, the Germans, when I saw so all these guys are, I'm training with them in the locker room. So it's like, I was buzzing. It was great to be there. You know, it was great. Um, and again, the, what I learned, how to be a professional. I mean, how, how I had to work every day. Uh, the, it, and it, my character for the future, how to work in the future. Otmar Hitzfeld was a coach. He's a legend. So I went there from Alex Ferguson to Otmar Hitzfeld now, like, again, how how to work i mean in my in my job today to be able to learn from these kind of people whether it's the players on the field or the coaches it really benefits me it benefits me today do you still have your champions league medal where do you keep it i have it in a in a safe at the bank <laughs> and, the, and the club the club the club one too i i didn't i didn't think that it's crazy that like when you see how many of our young kids are in big big clubs and how fast the last five years, because I, I would never think it was going to be so quick that American would break in and because it's hard to get opportunities, you know, and we've grown so much the last five years and to see Christian Pulisic, to see McKinney at big clubs, to see uh, Adams at Leipzig, like it's, it's great. I mean, it's great to see and it's, it's something that, yeah, I think there's going to be more and more players that are going to be in this position. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember the first interview that you and I ever did together, but I do. Uh, it was in Jacksonville, Florida in the spring of 1999. It was a U.S. friendly against Germany. And this was not long after Bruce Arena took over. So there was a, a lot of negativity in 98, obviously, around that World Cup performance by the U.S. Bruce comes in and... 
you and I actually did an interview before the game, which is what I often did for Sports Illustrated Magazine because I wanted to have something in the can for my story, but you never knew how that player you interviewed would do in the game. And you scored an awesome goal in that game. The U.S. wins 3-0 against Germany. And that ends up being the magazine story, you, that I ended up writing that week. And, and so I, I will always eternally be thankful to any player who, like, after I interview them, then goes and has a great game. So thank you for doing that. It was great for me, like Sports Illustrated, when you did this. It was a bit soccer never got in there very often early days, you know, so it was kind of cool to be to be in there. And yeah, I did have a decent game too and it was against germany it was good yeah i was happy for sure <laughs> it was good <laughs> but it also it's just such a small world because here we are brr, 22 years later and, and we're still talking to each other so we're getting old man jeez <laughs> we are we're in our 40s now <laughs> but it, it's also kind of cool like i just to see how that game was part of i think the u.s sort of maybe turning things around a little bit. It was just a friendly, but still, it was beating Germany. And and I know you ended up playing 62 times for the national team. Are you bummed out from like a World Cup perspective that you weren't able to do maybe what you were hoping to? I mean, I had a, a run, a great run in the national team programs. I was involved a lot. It was somewhat disappointing, of course, to be part of a World Cup. I mean, but I think I, it was my own fault in a lot of places like, um, some of the things I did maybe as a team player, I was not very, um, I don't know, like looking back now, like I understand after, if I didn't play a game, I was a little bit, maybe for a camp in a, and I talked to Bruce about this too, uh, like afterwards, I maybe, maybe I was, a, people thought of me maybe disruptive as I was one playing and, um, but I regret yeah, of course, I'd want to be part of a World Cup. I would have wanted to. But it's I had a good run, and I played a lot of games for the national team, and I was always proud to play for the national team. But yeah, not being part of a World Cup, yeah, for sure. You come in and you play a lot of good years in MLS, win a championship, um, and then you you were an assistant to Bruce, right, for like a year after that? So like, how did you go about deciding whether you wanted to be a coach or more of a technical director like you currently are? So as soon as I was very fortunate, as soon as I finished playing, I, Bruce gave me that opportunity. I'm very grateful for, I was very lucky that I can transition straight into it. Um, I love the game. I was getting my coaching badges a year, two years before I, I was going to end because I was driving from San Diego. I was going to, I, to LA, like I had my house and everything all set up and I thought I was going to retire, but Bruce kept saying, Oh, just play another year, playing another year. And I was, and I just kept playing. So it ended up, I was driving an hour and a half each way, but then eventually it kept going and, and Bruce put me on his staff, which was fantastic for me. Uh, being part, we won, we won a championship my last year. We won a championship my first year as an assistant. Um, and then this role kind of where the club is growing and this role came up and I think it was, I don't know if Chris was the president or Tim Lewicki was there, but it was just an ideal position for somebody like myself, somebody who's played around the world, who has contacts everywhere. And we were going in this way and it was perfect. This is something I've always wanted to do this because I know with my contacts connection, I love the business side. I love to negotiate. I love uh, the hustle of it. Um, and it just fit. I mean, it just fit. 
and it's it's grown over time. Obviously, these positions have grown in all the all the teams in MLS now. Uh, people are building out now scouting departments, so it's it just worked and it fit. And I was very fortunate to be able to do it here. I've also enjoyed some of the media stuff that you did for Fox Sports with the Bundesliga, which they had for a few years. Um, do you want to do media again in the future, or what's your stance on that? I mean, it was it was something that I never thought of. They came to me because they were here in L.A. I played in the Bundesliga. When they first said it, I was like, no, no way. Like, Because I wasn't a big media guy. When I was a player, I was quiet. I just liked to go play. I was to a point where people thought I was arrogant because I was just shy. I didn't want to talk to the media. And I thought, okay, they pushed me enough to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And for me, it was scary. I'm going up there, the red light's on, and I'm like, but... I wanted. I I felt good afterwards. It was fun. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, it was it was really interesting. Would I do it in the future? I don't know. I love my job now. I love what I do. But I mean, I, it was pretty cool. It was fun. I thought it was really fun to do. Yeah. No. I I thought your insight was good. And I remember you doing a couple of things like uh, with Christian Pulisic, meeting him over at Dortmund, and, and doing some feature stories. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting time in soccer media. You should think about doing a podcast at some point if you're if you're <laughs> if you're a listener. <laughs> but like, what do you want to do in the future? Do you I mean, do you do you want to keep doing what you're doing? Is there anything else? No, I think this is this is what I love to do. I mean, I love to be in at a at a club like this, challenging all the time. The pressure's always on. I, I travel the world. I love the game. Uh, I love uh, being. I love winning. So being part of a team and, and winning is important. Um, but I enjoy what I do. I love my job. I love it, and I love being part of it. And and it's something that I want to continue to do. Jovan Kurovsky is the technical director for the LA Galaxy. Jovan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Ricardo Pepe and Jovan Karofsky, as well as producer and pundit Chris Whittingham. You can now sign up for a free or paid subscription to my new newsletter at grantwall.com, which has all my writing, including a big feature on Jesse Marsh and on-location stories for every U.S. Men's World Cup qualifier. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your support with all that. See you next time. 